welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for joining us on one of the 42 radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we have a great topic for you. It's senior housing. You know, with baby boomers coming of age, the change in lifestyles and the impact of technology, there's certainly a lot to talk about in the world of senior housing. And first, we're going to take a look at the investment side of the industry. Please welcome Ryan Severino. He is Senior Economist with Reese. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hello, Michael. Good to be with you again. Well, you too. Thank you. And Ryan, uh, to start us out, you know, how has the senior housing sector uh, been performing so far in 2015? You know, we're still in the process of finalizing our second quarter numbers, but I would say that overall the sector has been performing well. Uh, the overall vacancy rate's down nationally to about 8%, and each of the major subtypes, uh, at least that we track, assisted living, independent living, skilled nursing, and memory care, have all seen vacancy declines as of late, relatively strong vacancy declines as of late. Moreover, rents are continuing to grow. You know, we've recently seen rent growth depending upon which subtype you're talking about in the one and a half to two and a half percent range. And so uh, the fundamentals are looking pretty healthy at this point overall. And that rent growth, uh, what's that trend there? So is that in the last quarter or the last year? Or? That's uh, year over year. So we're seeing you know, some, something um, inflationary to slightly exceeding inflationary over the last, uh, say, 12-month period that we have finalized data for. Okay. And to put it in that perspective, how does that look from, say, maybe uh, recession days to now? Clearly, uh, we've had a, a, a strong bounce back since the recessionary days. Uh, for the last couple of years, I, I would characterize performance as being strong. Overall, we've seen vacancy declines uh, of more than 100 basis points for, again, properties overall in each of the last two calendar years, which I would argue that's a strong showing that it really is the envy of some of the other uh, major commercial real estate sectors. Certainly, we haven't seen that out of office uh, or retail, for example. And I think this year really has the potential to be that good. I think it's still a little bit early in the year. Uh, we need to take a wait-and-see approach. But I think, you know, alluding to, to some of the drivers that you talked about, uh, they're still in place, and we see no reason why uh, that shouldn't persist uh, for 2015 as well. Okay. Well, some of these improvements in performance in the market, Ryan, is some of it you know, based on the uh, baby boomers coming of age, or is it more based on the economy and more people able to afford it? You know, it's really a, a confluence of both. Uh, we have seen demand for property types increasing along with the macro economy, which I think is, it, you know, that, that is very uh, straightforward, relatively easy to understand. And I think, you know, you're starting to see some of the baby boom generation consider this. We're really on the front end of that demographic wave with the consideration that the baby boom generation begins in 1946. And so the front end, uh, the baby boomers is, is turning 69 this year. And that's around that inflection point, kind of late 60s to early 70s, depending upon uh, what part of the country you're in, where you start to see more and more people transitioning uh, into a, a facility like the type that we're discussing today. Okay. And if uh, from the outside looking in, I think a lot of listeners and, and viewers might think that you know, the outlook for senior housing has to be great, right, with, with these baby boomers coming of age. Yeah, I think our, our outlook uh, moving forward is relatively optimistic. I think in the short to medium term, you know, we expect vacant to continue to decline, probably you know somewhere around the same pace, give or take, that we've seen over the last couple of years. I think rent growth will actually accelerate a bit as the market continues to tighten. I think uh, knock wood in the absence of a recession, 
which, you know, I'm not assuming is coming tomorrow, but economics is a cyclical thing. Uh, there's no reason to expect that we should see a reversal. There's some, you know, pockets of, of construction where it, it's, I wouldn't say frothy, but we're starting to keep an eye on, but um, that's more of a, you know, a medium-term issue than kind of a, a shorter to medium-term issue at this point. Okay. And what are you seeing for cap rates for some of the various property types, Ryan? Boy, you know, it's become incredibly robust, uh, especially for good quality properties. And, and, you know, as you well know, uh, it's not isolated to seniors' housing, but certainly some of the capital uh, has found its way into the sector and made the environment relatively competitive. So I'd say, you know, really good deals have been trading in, in believe it or not, in the low to mid 5% range, which I would characterize as incredibly strong for this property type. Overall, we're probably looking, you know, somewhere in kind of the low to mid 6% range, which, uh, again, I would still characterize as, as a hot market. To put that into context, apartments overall are trading in kind of the high 5-ish range these days. So uh, you're not seeing much of a premium um, or, or, you know, or discount, depending upon which side of the ledger you're looking at, between seniors housing and apartment right now. So I think that speaks volumes about uh, investor interest in the sector. Wow, that is interesting. So I guess they're expecting a lot of upside uh, in this area. Yeah, I mean, there must be some, and, and, and rightfully so, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. clearly there are a lot of good things uh, for this property type going forward. And, and clearly, I think uh, a lot of that is baked into these, into these low cap rates. Okay, we're talking with Ryan Severino with Risa about the senior housing market. And so, Ryan, what would you expect moving forward for cap rates, say, a year from now in this sector? You know, uh, sort of along the lines with our expectations for cap rates in general, I would expect to see cap rates continue to be low in the near term. You know, maybe not necessarily drifting too much lower. It's, it's difficult to envision too much more cap rate compression, certainly relative to what we've observed up to this juncture. But I don't expect cap rates to begin rising, at least not over the next year or two. As we've been discussing, fundamentals for this sector will be strong for a while, so that will keep downward pressure on pricing, uh, especially for the high-quality assets. So I, I think even if we do get some upward movement in, in short-term interest rates with the Fed over the next, say, 6 to 12 months, uh, I think we will be in a low cap rate environment for that duration. Okay. And you mentioned the various property types kind of under the senior housing hat there. Are there certain property types that investors are, are showing more interest in? You know, it, it really seems like, depending upon where you are in the country, some uh, could be more favored than others. I think uh, generally, we've seen some money flowing into assisted living and some money flowing into uh, independent living. I think where at least we've seen investors a little more cautious is some of the some of the subsectors of the market where it tends to be a little more service intensive. Some of the um, some of the skilled nursing care or memory care just because then it really becomes truly more of an operating business and while uh, I can't say that I haven't seen money flowing into that it just seems like an aggregate investors who are interested in the sector but maybe don't have as much experience and they haven't gotten their hands as dirty as some others um, haven't really been jumping into you know that uh, deep end of the pool with both feet just yet. Yeah it certainly is a, a specialized sector isn't it? So so Ryan what are some of the other factors that would impact this industry in this sector moving forward that if you're an investor uh, that you might be concerned with uh, is a possible headwind? Um, you know, the, the real headwind that I see when I look at this market uh, is affordability in the sense that, you know, the nicest properties out there, the ones that, that they're building with, you know, the granite countertops and the really nice finishes and the, the, the 
infinity pools and lazy rivers and media rooms and all those really high-end amenities, they are incredibly expensive, especially for the subtypes, uh, as I just mentioned, that do require a high level of service, service like skilled nursing and memory care. Uh, there are units for those, even beds in rooms for those, depending upon the part of the country that you're talking about, that can run you twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars per month. Uh, those units are really out of the reach. Uh, of many, um, because the majority of households don't have that kind of saving. Not, not surprisingly, we we're, we tend to be undersaved uh, in aggregate as a country, and, and a lot of households don't have long-term care insurance. And you know, I hate to burst everyone's bubble, but Medicare is not going to pay to put grandma in that bright, shiny new center. It, it, it's more of the stereotypical kind of almost communist era type uh, seniors housing that I think most people have the connotation of when you think seniors housing. So. Uh, there isn't a really good magic solution to this because the level of service is paramount for the performance of the center, and, and we tend to pay for that. And so I know there are some organizations that are out there that are working on affordable solutions to higher-end centers. Uh, I think it will be really interesting to monitor and see if they succeed or not, but I don't think um, anybody's got a magic solution to this problem just yet. Yeah, well, it's an interesting subject because it's touching all of us in some ways. It's our grandparents, our parents, or, or maybe us, you know, headed towards these uh, senior housing communities. And But there's also some opportunities in the sector, aren't there? Absolutely. I think, you know, we talked a bit about the demographics and that there is this demographic tidal wave that is going to be uh, influencing the sector. I agree. It's an interesting industry for investors to consider right now. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. And as always, great information from Ryan and our friends at Reese. For more information from Reese, visit Reese.com. That's R-E-I-S.com. Well, next up, we get to talk with Beth Mace. She's chief economist with Nick National Investment Center for Senior Housing and Care. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Is your company in a business related to banking, law, accounting, or technology? Advertising on the Commercial Real Estate Show can be a great way to reach your target customer. Visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit BullRealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Michael Ball. Today we're talking about senior housing. Please welcome my next guest. It's Beth Mace. She's Chief Economist and Director of Capital Markets Outreach with NIC, the National Investment Center for Seniors Housing and Care. Beth, thanks for joining us today. Oh, hello, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, we appreciate uh, you being on the show. And, uh, you know, the senior housing market has certainly grown. I think institutional investors have shown a lot more interest than they have in the past. Just how big is this senior housing market? And, and for a listener that may not be uh, all that familiar with it, what are the kind of various property types you see? Well, we define senior housing as um, three areas. One would be assisted living. Uh, which would be uh, housing provided to seniors who require some type of need with activities of daily living. So they might need help getting dressed, or they might need help with medicine, um, that kind of thing. They might not be completely ambulatory, so we might need wheelchairs. Um, included in that would be what I would call memory care. Those would be people who have Alzheimer's or memory issues, so that's a more intensive service category. Um, 
then the next most intensive service category really would be skilled nursing, and that's for your traditional nursing home setting. Mm-hmm. And then the least intensive really is what we would call independent living. Mm-hmm. And independent living properties typically are those that provide hospitality, socialization. They might provide a van to go shopping to the mall, and you usually have a meal, one or two meals a day. Mm-hmm. And those are typically those three categories, independent living, assisted living memory care, and then skilled nursing are what we consider when we talk about um, assisted living in general. In terms of the size of the market, uh, in terms of the unit count, there's about 3 million units in the U.S. Um, on av- uh, in aggregate, and about a, uh, of that 3 million, about, one, about half of that would be skilled nursing, mm-hmm. and then the rest of that would be independent living and assisted living. Mm-hmm. And in terms of market cap, we're looking at a sector that's probably about a $300 billion sector. Mm-hmm. And just for uh, purposes of comparison, the apartment sector would be about uh, five times as big as that, about one and a half uh, billion, or one and a half trillion, actually. Okay. So it's a big sector, it's a growing sector, and it's got a lot of institutional investor interest right now. And that's um, adding to the size of the sector. Right, so it's a lot bigger, I think, and a lot of people uh, think, and it, and it should grow, right? I mean, with all the baby boomers coming of age uh, in the next uh, decade, uh, what do you expect moving forward as far as demographics and the impact on the sector? Well, demographics are certainly really important, and we can see um, that just from the sheer uh, sort of birth rates of what we saw. Today, the typical resident is about 80 years old, mm-hmm. and that would put that uh, person, they were born in 1935 during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And just for perspective, that because I think it's really important because senior housing is a very personal um, and care-intensive sector, so we're finding that more and more it's important to really understand your resident. So for the residents that we have today, um, there again, there was someone who was born in 1935. That was during the Great Depression. That was when the unemployment rate was 20%. The average cost of a new house was about $3,000. A loaf of bread was $0.08. Cents. <laughs> um, and to, when they were 20, uh, consumerism was just taking off um, with 7 of 10 families owning a car. The first McDonald's opened when these people were 20 years old. Wow. So I think it's important to keep that in mind because that's, a shift in the generations of the types of people that are living in senior housing to a generation that's a little more demanding, more consumer-oriented. And as that's happening, it's, it's changing the type of um, product offerings that are being requested from um, from residents as they move into these uh, into senior housing. In terms of the sheer numbers, today we there are about 20 million U.S. residents that are 75 and older. That represents about 6% of the U.S. population. Now, that's going to grow significantly as the baby boomers age. So within 10 years, that uh, those 20 million residents are going to swell to 28 million. Oh. And that's going to represent about 8 to 8% of the U.S. population. So there's a big growth coming. It hasn't happened yet because the first baby boomer doesn't turn 80 until 2026. So that's still a number of years away. But it's definitely you know emerging. And we're seeing much faster growth in that 75-plus cohort than we are in the overall general population. Yeah, and that's real interesting when you talk about the average resident now being 80 and, and being uh, having the experience of the Great Depression because, you know, those people, they were kind of affected uh, by that uh, for a lifetime, right? Uh, a lot more thrifty. And then, like you said, you get the, the people more uh, that came along later, and we're all consumers. We all want things now, right? So that's got to be a lot of changes in, in these uh, properties. Well, that's exactly right, and we're starting to see that the influence of the baby boomer isn't so much that they're the residents, but they're the children of the current residents. 
so they're coming in, and we know that the baby boomers tend to be a, a generation that um, you know causes change, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're they're fussier and they're more demanding. So we're seeing the baby boomer coming in and demanding more services or more care, or um, you know different room arrangements and things like that for their parents. Mm-hmm. And operators are responding to that and actually gearing up and getting ready to be able to address the sort of the more demanding and fussier baby boomer that's coming. So this is almost the, the interim period of operators getting ready for the next big wave of baby boomers and all their demands that are going to come from that cohort. And are these newer residents uh, more active? Absolutely. Some of the, the residents certainly uh, are more active. There's more services oriented towards that. There's more exercise classes. There's more rehab classes that are being um, offered to residents as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the new supply. I mean, with these baby boomers coming, there's, uh, I, I guess there's going to be a lot of new supply that has to, to be created, you know, and, and give us some uh, uh, um, perspective on supply. How has that been trending lately? Well, I totally agree that supply is going to grow just in order to meet the growth that we're seeing in demand. Uh, during the recession, there was a significant slowdown in new product being brought into the market. And in the last few years, we're starting to see some uptick in supply um, but it's targeted right now to specific geographies. Not every place is seeing new products coming into the market. Texas, for example, is seeing a lot of new supply coming into that market right now. And um, it, it's yet to be seen because we're still getting the data. Um, in fact, the NIC data for the second quarter will be released uh, later on today at 4.15. Mm-hmm. We'll get a better window into how the second quarter of the data has performed. But in general, what we're seeing is that there is supply in some pockets of the country and um, uh, generally up to now, the demand has been able to meet that supply, and we'll have to wait to see if that trend can continue. Okay. And what might surprise people that they, they might see that these customers are demanding and that's in the new properties that are being built today? Um, well, I think we're starting to see a shift in uh, some operators' models. We're moving, typically, historically, senior housing has been more of a hospitality model, uh, providing people with services that they may require from a point of view of of eating and socialization and moving around and getting around to, to, uh, you know, entertainment, that type of thing. And some operators now are starting to shift to what I would call a medical model. And the medical model would be more that you take care of people in terms of of nursing um, services that they may require, and you'll take care of those people to end of life. And we're seeing that um, a, a sort of a bigger broad trend is really the changes in health care and the changes in sort of post-acute uh, care, and there's a post-acute continuum that's starting to occur. And that would be a relationship that hospitals are building with skilled nursing facilities, and skilled nursing facilities are building with assisted living and independent living operators. So there's going to be more synergies and more connections between those um those types of institutions and as that happens you're going to see some changes um, in terms of what customers are demanding and in terms of how operators are responding to that. Yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, so hopefully uh, if you're an operator, you pick up a customer uh, early in the stage and you're with them for life. Well, we're going to take a, a short break. We'll be right back. We'll have more on senior housing. We'll have more from Beth Mace, the chief economist with Nick. Stay with us.
Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about senior housing. My guest is Beth Mace. She's a chief economist with the National Investment Center for Seniors Housing and Care. And Beth, we're talking about before the break some of the changes in the demographics of the patients and how that's changing uh, the sector and the industry for the providers and the investors in these properties and one of the things that's got to impact it is new technology right how is new technology impacting this sector yeah uh, michael this is a really interesting area Mm -hmm. um technological innovation is is definitely emerging as a significant influencer in senior housing as well as in all aspects um, of the sector so, for example, from an operations point of view, um, you're seeing technology in terms of lead generation. Lead generation is being delivered over the Internet, IT systems, and big data that are allowing senior management companies to really observe real-time changes in the day-to-day performance and operating systems. We're seeing remote monitoring of residents, um, and that's helping to generate staff efficiencies. So that's just from an operational point of view. Then from a health and wellness perspective, we're seeing telehealth and virtual care systems. And these have, I think, have the potential to reduce health care costs and to improve health care coverage by allowing instant video conferencing, for example, at call centers with live doctors. We're seeing smartphones and appliances, remote sensors. Um, increasingly, you're seeing handheld devices that have medical applications on that. Um, some type of mobile personalized connectivity applications so that you're allowing people that sort of age in place a little bit better and give them independence and some sort of virtual socialization. And I think as we really see these technologies get tested and winners lose the merch, that the operational side, the real estate side, the social side, the medical aspect side of the sector is going to be forever changed. Um, and, and there's a lot of really interesting groups that are developing right now that are you know, out in Silicon Valley that are looking at technology and then looking specifically at how they can take that technology and apply it just to seniors housing and how they can improve the, you know, on the operation side, on the quality of life. Um, I've seen technologies, for example, that um, for a carpet, you might have some type of a monitor in a carpet that is tracking sort of the gait or the steps of an individual and that that changes that could be an indication that um, that person is going to be less stable on their feet and could fall. Wow. And falls are a huge risk for the sector. Or they've seen something like an airbag, a waist, consider, think about a belt that you wear that actually has an airbag on it. Wow. And as you, as you went to, to slip, there would be a monitor that might go off and that could brace or prevent the fall from being as harsh. So these are a lot of ideas that are being bandied about in the industry. And, uh, We'll see how it all plays out, but it's certainly a really exciting time, I think, for the sector. And as technology improves efficiencies, it's going to really help the labor, the, I think, create efficiencies for labor mm-hmm. and allow the, so the, the sector is very personal and very service-oriented. If you can free up labor to do other things, that would be a good thing in the end. Right, it sure is. I, you know, make it safer, and uh, you know, this surge of technology has got to be fantastic for for the residents and the providers. And uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are investors. Uh, and uh, where are some opportunities, Beth, that uh, they might consider in the senior housing market? Um, I think there's opportunities 
um, so throughout the whole spectrum of what I was talking about for care. Um, I, I think, again, if you sort of think of an arrow going from left to right, the least service intensive would be on the left part of the arrow, and those would be um, independent living. Um, and then as you move to the right, that would be more service intensive, so assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing, and hospitals. And as I indicated, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for just the sheer demographics that are coming along to push us um, along the demand curve for seniors' housing. You're going to see higher penetration rates as seniors' housing becomes just more of a natural part of the life cycle for people and where they live. And I think you're also seeing now cost pressures from hospitals that are pushing us down from a more service-intensive um, institution into a less service-intensive, so hospitals to skilled nursing into um, assisted living and independent living. And because of the cost constraints, as you move from sort of right to left, from a more intensive to less, it becomes more cost-effective. So I think of seniors' housing as a sweet spot that's taking advantage, really, of the demand factors that we talked about, as well as in the cost factors that I was just describing in terms of the continuum of care. Mm-hmm. So that you're going to see more and more like post what I would call post acute care coordination. Yeah, there's got to be uh, a lot of opportunities out there with uh, these baby boomers coming of age to to invest in this market and and uh, and if you haven't visited their site, go to nicnic.org. There's a lot of great information uh, that's just available for for all uh, site visitors to to check out there and check out. Uh, the, the organization there and what they're doing and their mission statement. And, and Beth, we certainly appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Okay, bye now. All right, thank you. And, uh, you know, be sure that you don't miss a show of special interest to you. We have some great shows coming up, including next week we'll have a show on student housing. So visit commercialrealestateshow.com and sign up for once-a-week email announcing the show topic. We'll stay tuned. We'll have more on the senior, senior housing industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Our topic today is senior housing. Please welcome my next guest. It's Stephanie Anderson. She's principal with Silverstone Healthcare Real Estate. They're headquartered in D.C. So, you know, we talked to a couple of economists, analysts. So now we're going to talk to a principal who's been in the business for quite some time. Uh, She has acquired six properties since May of last year at Silverstone. Also, uh, her prior experience includes $7 billion of acquisition positions and overseeing 20 billion of properties at healthcare properties at healthcare REIT. Previous to that, she was a managing director at GE Capital Healthcare Finance. Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the time. Well, we appreciate you being on and and give us a little perspective from uh, from an industry participant's perspective and to to get us started, how did you end up in this specialty? Were you drawn to it in some way? Well, um I'm basically I've always been a really good shopper. I used to buy planes for Delta and I bought some satellites and rail cars and uh, ended up in commercial real estate uh, buying CBD office in Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta Financial Center, 
uh, Buckhead Plaza and some in uh, Chicago, 333 West Wacker for an offshore reinsurance company. And um, then started doing some hotels, uh, Boston Back Bay Marriott and um, the Westin. And um, my my grandmother uh, passed away and um, the other one was needing to find a home someplace and the fear that she had in going into a very nice seniors housing community kind of led me to do a lot more research in that and um, it's um, kind of has all the same drivers that commercial real estate has um, on the upside and the leverage and the um, tax benefits while also having some of the operational characteristics that hotels have um, where you have you know hotels you touch the you have about probably five touches um, each time a uh, uh, someone checks in when they use the telephone to order room service things like that and so that increases the complexity of the business model and then in seniors housing you even have more touches so more opportunities for success and um, I liked all of that where you could really drive the NOI by being successful and focusing on the resident providing care and you could make money a lot of money also by making the world a better place for seniors who a lot of times get forgotten so that was kind of really what drew me into seniors housing uh, versus commercial real estate. It's a little nicer, sweeter, uh, more of a niche industry where most people actually uh, do want to do well um, at the same time that they're doing them good. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, opportunities for more customer interaction and therefore being able to kind of stand above the rest. So tell us about Silverstone. So you started Silverstone a little over a year ago. You've been pretty active. What is your model there and uh, and what types of properties are you continuing to look to acquire? Uh, we have acquired existing uh, properties. We're not as much into development. Um, a lot of people are really on the development bandwagon right now just due to the aging of America. Um, we have chosen to buy more recently built uh, properties. Um, our portfolio uh, has had properties built between 2008 to 2013 uh, mm-hmm. to date. And. Um, so those that are well stabilized, doing well, but are from more local and regional managers, uh, and converting those to more national management, um, making them more of an institutional portfolio uh, play versus a uh, one-off operator. Okay. You know, the capital in the seniors marketplace is becoming more institutional in nature and there's a consolidation going on. And so oftentimes those really great um, local operators who've built it and operate it themselves kind of get lost in the shuffle. And that's what we're doing is trying to filter out those, acquire them, and um, baby them a little bit and you know, just see what they'll do. And are you using institutional uh, capital partners? Yes, we've been really lucky in the fact that as a, a majority uh, 
women-owned business that uh, we have access to uh, very supportive uh, core plus equity um, as well as some opportunity fund equity um, with the uh, some of the same um, players uh, and we've been doing our debt mainly with own balance sheet debt with uh, BB&T and um, it's really all we've needed so far and we've also uh, done some structures with preferred equity um, and with some public health care rates so we've been really lucky in our partners and we're short on the break but uh, what areas of the country are you looking uh, we do nationally uh, we have five properties in the Arizona area we have two in Colorado uh, three in Texas, and right now we're looking to, we have uh, some under contract in the Northeast, New Jersey and Delaware, as well as the West, um, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, so we're kind of all over. Okay. Just really looking for the best deal. Right, right. Well, that's important. Well, so we're just going to take a short break here and stay tuned because we're going to get some tips for investors who might be interested in the senior housing market and uh, something that might surprise you. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about senior housing. My guest is Stephanie Anderson. She's a principal with Silverstone Healthcare Real Estate. They're headquartered in D.C. And Stephanie, I'd like to get uh, some advice from you. If people that have maybe not invested in this sector, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say that they need to go um, with someone who has invested in it. Uh, we are we do not follow typical real estate cycles uh we have a tendency to overbuild when other uh when the multifamily is not overbuilt and um we do not we don't respond to economic pressures so we're we're not counter cyclical we just really are not tied into the market at all so it's important that you have um as your investment partner someone who has been in the industry over the last 10 years because we've been through all the various cycles. Yeah, that's true. And how about interest rates? Uh, how, how much would rising interest rates impact your sector? Um, we are very lucky in the fact that we are we have basically subsidized debt from the government, uh, similar to multifamily, uh, which is not, you can't do an office or hotel because we have Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So although um, as long as those programs are still out there, the rising interest rates will be there'll be minimal impact i believe we have a really good um ability to continue on this especially because our noi growth is tied to um inflation and so as interest rates rise so does our noi usually okay and how are you finding the investment market out there right now stephanie um we find i mean we've been very lucky in that 
we've been able to attach ourselves to relationship deals with other people that we've known for years in the market over the last 20 years. Um, we, I've heard that it's very frothy. Um, I've heard there's a lot of capital uh, looking for deals and that they can't find them. We've been just really lucky in the fact that we have more than we can do. Um, I think you, just due to the fact that we've been in the industry so long. Okay. And are you hearing some things that some people are maybe uh, not closing on transactions that uh, they get them under contract because maybe their prices are too high, the cap rates are too low? Yeah, it, it's it's just an interesting thing that's only been happening in the last uh, three months. Um, there's been a lot of the more major experienced players, some healthcare REITs and some private equity funds that have been in the marketplace and they've taken it all the way down to the end of due diligence and then made additional requests, um, basically changing the deal and walking away. Um, so it does appear to be one where in our industry we were somewhat insulated from it historically because a small industry is kind of like a small town. If you're word, if you're known for not standing by what you say you're going to do, people won't do business with you. Uh, but our industry is expanding, and so as part of that expansion, you're getting um, a lot more froth, and people are playing more of the game. They're entering into a deal thinking that they can, um, you know, buy it down or change it along the way. And um, the long-term industry players are often saying no and just walking away. So that's really unusual for seniors' housing. What's the one sentence answer to this question what might surprise people about this sector that even during the worst economic downturn we have ever had that the NOI continued to maintain and not decrease even though occupancy fell that's a nice surprise (laughs) (laughs) well Stephanie thanks for joining us we appreciate you being on the show Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. And, uh, well, what a great show. I think it's uh, the uh, senior housing market is very interesting. There's a lot to think about and a lot to talk about there. And be sure to join us next week. We'll go to the other end of the spectrum. We're going to talk about student housing. That's also been a market that's been, uh, been kind of crazy and been very upbeat. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.